Abigail Forsyth is the inventor of Keep Cup, the world's first barista-standard reusable coffee cup. And she's on a mission to stop us from disposing of one million coffee cups every minute of every day. It's a very reusable episode 480 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls. To take your marketing straight to the lead, now here's your host, Mr. Timbo And welcome back to your weekly caffeinated dose of marketing malarkey. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, you, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner, ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. And if that's not enough and you're itching to fast track your marketing, then let's get personal with a one-on-one coaching session, which you can book over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Big episode today. Environmental warrior turned marketer Abigail Forsyth takes us behind the scenes of Keep Cup, a brand she created back in 2009 when she was just a simple inner Melbourne cafe owner. Another motivated listener wins big in this week's monster prize draw and I'll let you in on next week's guest who, amongst other amazing achievements, attended Michael Jackson's 40th birthday party at his Neverland home. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Now, I am bringing this segment forward and I'll tell you why. I'm not sure everyone who listens to this show, and there's thousands of you, get to the monster prize draw, which is at the back of every episode. You listen to the interview, you listen to me ramble at the front, but maybe, just maybe, you get to work and it's time to turn me off and get into your day. So I just wanted to bring it forward because I want to see more people entering it. I'm sitting on a few entries at the moment, but this is a weekly segment. Now, what it is, is you simply have to send me an idea that you've learned from this show and implemented and what impact it's had on your business. Email it to tim at timreid.com.au and if I read it out on air, you win. And today's winner is... Renata Ogilvy of psquared.net.au, which is a Perth-based boutique communications agency. And Renata says, hey, Tim, thank you. I had an empty folder sitting on my desktop for about four years titled Website, which was to serve as a reminder of all the items I needed to gather to get my website back online. And it just wasn't happening. Yes, getting the old website stuff can be painful, but four years, Renata? Really? (laughs) She goes on to say, then I found your podcast about two months ago and have totally binged in bold on it. It gave me the motivation I needed to just get it done. I spent less than a week gathering all the info for the website and it was up and running within six weeks. I couldn't believe it had taken me so long to do. The tips about just needing to get something up, even if it wasn't perfect, 
got me into gear. Your podcast has also helped me in my daily work with my clients. I love this idea. I use project management software Asana and in each client's project, I now have an item called Ideas and it is filled with tips I've picked up from each of your episodes. Each episode truly inspires me. Thanks, Timbo. Renata Ogilvie, psquared.net.au. That last idea is awesome, Renata. I hope um, those ideas aren't just sitting in the folder, but maybe as an action plan, you could take one idea each week to your client and blow them away. You know, what great added value. High perceived value to the client, low cost to you. Renata, for entering the monster prize draw, you have won a keep cup, valued at 30 bucks, a flow hive pollinator, 79 bucks, boxing gloves from Fitness Enhancement, that's 40 bucks, access to Jeff Anderson's video marketing course, 197 bucks, that's an awesome course if you do any video marketing, which I'm guessing you do as a communications agency, a $50 Snackwise sample box, you get a range, a full range, that's like 12 bottles of Liars non-alcoholic spirits valued at over 500 bucks, they're awesome, the gin tastes like gin, no alcohol, figure that out, $50 Sendal voucher, $100 to buy some tradies undies, well, $100 voucher anyway, you get promotion on this show and a backlink in my show notes, Google love my show notes, and that is it. For everyone else, send me an email, tell me what you've implemented, tim at timreed.com.au. If I read it out on air, you win. When Abigail Forsyth and her husband Jamie started a cafe business in Melbourne in 1998, disposable coffee cups were starting to become an environmental problem. Now, as you're about to hear, they're a major problem. And that's where Keep Cups step in. Keep Cups are those reusable coffee cups you see people bring into your local cafe. So instead of like using a paper coffee cup that's lined with plastic and thrown away the minute you've got your caffeine fix, Keep Cups get used over and over and over again. The plastic cups obviously don't biodegrade or, you know, whatever that thing. I'm not, I'm not very good at that environmental stuff. Like, I get it. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, like I'm better at marketing. Now, Keep Cups come in all shapes and sizes, colours, and can even be personalised with your company branding. So Abigail joined me from her Fitzroy headquarters where we talked about why she chose to close the cafes and pursue the Keep Cup idea, how she used leading baristas as influencers before social influence was even a thing, how she handles the proliferation of copycats flooding the market and there's lots of them, how she's created an environmentally responsible supply chain and plenty more. I started off by asking Abigail to quantify the problem that Keep Cup is solving. So Keep Cup is a solution to disposable cup waste. So every minute around the world, a million disposable cups are used and discarded and, you know, 99% of them go to landfill and they're not recyclable because they are paper with a plastic, thin plastic lining. So they're really a plastic cup. One million plastic cups every minute around the world are disposed of. That is huge. So you were ahead of your time then in 2009 when you came up with the idea for Keep Cup. What were you doing at that time? Running a cafe in inner city Melbourne thinking we need to solve this problem? It's exactly what I was doing. Exactly what I was doing. So my brother Jamie and I ran some cafes called Blue Bag. We had been running them for about seven years at the time and really had come in at the the beginning of disposable cups starting to take hold in the marketplace. So we remembered the world without them and we remembered the world with them and thought this is just incredibly wasteful and there must be a better way. 
So, so you were seeing, uh, okay, so you were seeing disposable cups as being a problem, but no one had come up with a solution as yet. Well, um, I mean, there were solutions in the sense that there's been thermoses and reusable mugs and all sorts of things around for a long time, but there was nothing that was designed for the way Australians were drinking their coffee, which fitted under the group's heads of the machine, that dosed the coffee correctly to get the, mm. the coffee and milk proportion right, that were easy to clean. Um, yeah, so we designed our own. Tell us about getting the first Keep Cup to market. Uh, I think we were aided by an incredible amount of naivety. We didn't really realise there were other competitors in our space, sort of internationally at all. Um, uh, we went round to a lot of... We wanted to make it locally because it really... The driver really was and still continues to be sustainability and, and reducing our footprint. So we um, spoke to local manufacturers. And one guy said, you know, if you this is just a plastic cup. And so if you can't sell it off the prototype... Forget about it. You'll never, you know. I've got a hundred. I've got hundreds of better tools over here yeah. um, that people have made, but they just couldn't sell it. So make sure you can sell it first. So I took that as a challenge, and through um, our cafe business, Blue Bag, we had a lot of corporate catering. So I called every single one of our catering clients and spoke to the sustainability manager. Quickly realised they had no money, so I had to get to the marketing HR manager, and we spoke a lot about you know, sustainability initiatives. If you're a bank and you've got solar panels on your roof and you're trying to do all these green things but you're letting people drink out of paper cups, there's a disconnect with your message. So, um, yeah, we sold 5000 to National Australia Bank and 5000 to Energy Australia off that first prototype, so before we'd even made a product. Nice. And then it just went from there. You're, um, so you'd, you'd sold it into the marketing people at these large corporations, but the 5,000 keep cups in prototype form that then went out to the staff of those big corporations, did they love it? So we had a prototype that was like a cup that you couldn't take the lid off or, you know, it it wasn't functional. Um, We sold product from the prototype, so they didn't even have a a working product when we sold it. And then when the 5,000 staff got them, they were working perfectly, so they Uh, were good. Okay. yeah, and they loved them, yeah. What was the feedback you were getting? Oh, there was also, um, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this problem and, you know, I'm glad someone's doing something about it. I love the look of it. I love the colour of it. I love the design. I love the way it makes my coffee taste, um, those sort of things. I think the initial uh, concern for people was that it wouldn't be accepted in the cafe, that the, you know, the barista wouldn't feel it, but... So we worked really hard to make sure that the coffee community understood the purpose of the product and um, and was happy to accept it. How did you do that? So you're running you're running these cafes with your brother. You've got this product, Keep Cup, that you've invented, and now you've got an educational process to make sure that key influencers, i.e., baristas and other cafe owners, are on board. How did you physically do that? Uh, well, selling into cafes, so we gave them a revenue stream that they didn't have before. So that was that was a big tick. Um, it was a problem, I guess, that a lot of they were concerned about naturally themselves. And we also started attending a lot of events around the world. So there's a World Barista Championship that's been going on for a long time. So we attended those events. We got a stall. Um, we sponsored some of them. We had um, some of the competitions filled keep cups rather than a you know a ceramic or a glass nice. cup. Uh, yeah. So we just got got our, our, the word out there. 
gee, you must have believed in the idea to sort of start, I mean, to start travelling around the world and going to these events. Absolutely. Of course I believe in the idea. <laughs> well, it's all, it, you know, you say that, I guess, I mean, and you'd, clearly you did, but back in 2009, 10 years ago, I mean, we weren't, you know, the world last year sort of changed a bit when, you know, disposable straws disappeared, disposable cutlery, you know, things are a bit different now. But back then it would have been a different conversation, a harder conversation, I would have thought. Uh, sort of. I mean, I think that the thing is there's been a group of people like Keep Cup campaigning for this change for a very, very long time. Mm. So, you know, I sort of liken it to, you know, we've been banging on the door for eight years and then in two, two years ago the wall came down. So, yeah, right. So um, it sort of reached more more public awareness. But there was certainly a group of people who, who knew and were concerned. And what I've always found is that once people do understand the problem, they're very keen to do something about it. And disposable cup is an easy one because you don't actually need, you don't need, it's not necessary. It's mm. not a necessary item. It's like a water bottle. At what point, Abigail, did you decide, okay, we don't need to run these blue bag cafes anymore. We're going to go 100% into keep cup. <laughs> Pretty much straight away. Goodness me, these, these, like, they don't go off. They don't call in sick. <laughs> if you deliver one late, no one minds. Like, you know, it's... The food industry is really challenging and, you know, if you're delivering corporate catering and you're five minutes late for the one-hour lunch with the sandwiches, you're in, you know, yeah. in trouble. So much easier to have a product than dealing with people is what I'm hearing there. Yeah, well, yes. What led to the brand really taking off? It's been, I mean, it's been year on year, so just, um, I guess, believing in the product, you know, people would say, how do you sell it? We sold it person by person. So I tell you, you tell someone. We've been really fortunate that I remember going to a trade show in, um, where was I, somewhere, somewhere exciting. I think I was in Sweden and I was saying to some guy, oh, you know, keep cups good because you, you carry the product in your hand so that people ask you what the product is and then you tell the story. And I told this long-winded thing. And he was from Coca-Cola in Sweden. He goes, yes, it's called Brand in Hand. And I was like, oh, oh. that's a quicker way to say it. Love um, it. So, yeah, we've been fortunate that our product's very visible and it's very visible in the place that you use it. Um, and then and then a growing movement against single, sing, un, you know, problematic and unnecessary waste, single-use plastic, all those things. Were you absolutely... And, and the other thing, I guess, is um, Australian coffee. So there's like the barista ticket. I don't know if you've heard of that, but a lot of Australians have travelled the world on their ability to make great coffee. So that those Australians went up into the world and they often had a keep cup with them and told the keep cup story. So um, that's been incredibly beneficial to us and the growth of the business. Were you absolutely the first reusable coffee cup uh, to market? Uh, we would we say we're the first barista standard in the sense that ours was designed for espresso based coffee, so for espresso machines. But you know, in truth, thermos, um, you know, thermos mugs have been around for you know, yeah, of course, fifty years. So, um, in terms of product, in terms of replacing a disposable cup, yes, definitely we were the first. Abigail, talking sales channels, you sell online. On your website, you wholesale yep. to other cafes. What's what's yep. what's the biggest part of the business? Uh, it's a pretty good split, actually. And then we have corporate sales, so we sell to other organisations looking to sort of engage their staff or um, reduce their waste in their businesses. 
and then we have distributors who sell to all three channels. So it's a pretty even split across all those channels. Okay. Your, your corporate stuff is that, because I noticed on your website you've got branded Keep Cups and you've got design your own mm. options. So your branded Keep Cups are your corporate offering? Yeah, and also a lot of cafes sort of make them make them unique for, the, for what they offer. Like yes. if you've got a cafe that's got a great reputation. You, you design your own option. We hear a lot these days about personalised marketing. Is that something mm-hmm. that's taken off for you? We've always had it. Like we, we launched with that DYO function, the design yeah, your right. own function. So it's been really important to the business, I think, um, especially for the early adopters who were, you know, individuals wanting to sort of make a statement with what they were doing. It's been um, a really great tool. Now, you say people purchase Keep Cups because they love the way they look and feel and continue to use them because they form a positive habit. So, mm-hmm. so they're not primarily buying the Keep Cup to save the world, or are they? Uh, I think that, yeah, it's interesting. I think that you... It, you know, it's a larger conversation about life, really, isn't it? Like, yeah. are you doing things because they are worthy or are you doing things because there's an inherent pleasure in, in doing them and the look and feel? And I guess, in my view, you've got to have both. Like, mm-hmm. being worthy is not enough and being beautiful is not enough either. Um, I always love that expression, beauty fades, but dumb is forever. So you've got to have a bit of both in there. So, But I feel like people are drawn to the product because of the, the look and the colour and the you know, association with great coffee and the, the, you know, the form and the function of it. And then once you enjoy using it, then then that underscores the the intent of the behaviour to mm. reduce and reuse as well. So they, they go hand in hand. Another thing, uh, quote that I saw you say was, Keep Cup is a brand and purpose-led business, which I quite like. Mm. So talk to me yes. more about how does that, how does that play out? So our purpose is to um, ensure the world no longer wants, needs or uses disposable cups. Mm-hmm. So I guess we really operate in, um, not in terms of talking about banning, but in terms of social licence. So, you you know, you now go into a shop and if you get carrying a plastic bag, people are going to be looking at you like, why are you carrying that thing? Or smoking in in a restaurant or something. Like, it, it's not, not socially approved of and that's where we're trying to take uh, disposable cups, but that people just don't feel comfortable using them anymore. Yeah, okay. I imagine copycats would be a real problem. When did the first one uh, land on your desk? Yeah, pretty quickly. I imagine. Pretty quickly. Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of competitors that have, are, are making another, uh, a different offer, great. That's just expanding the conversation, giving consumers some choice. Hmm. But products that are just replicating or counterfeiting or talking very closely to what we do is like pretty annoying for and and the main reason for that is well that they're generally not as well made they're relying on our ethical supply you know they're they're passing off our ethical supply chain to do what they do and then if the product leaks or doesn't work or burns their hands then Mm. you know it's actually um undermining what we do so how do you handle the copycats these days uh so we we crawl the internet and look for counterfeits and we've got a company that, that polices that for us. Um, and, yeah, and then we just try and keep ahead of the, the pack, really. In, in, and I think, yeah, it's interesting. Like, we've always thought of our only competitor as the disposable cup. So we don't care what anyone else is doing. It. That's, that's our competitor. We're after that disposable cup. We want you to choose our products instead of that or something else. 
Um, but I think the, the landscape's now changing and there's, a, there's other choices there. So it becomes about more about what we stand for, who we are as a business, how we treat our suppliers, that sort of thing that be, become the building blocks for consumer choice. And, and we've got all that in space. You sure have. I mean, it's a it's a great brand. I mean, a lot of these these copycats are. I mean, they're they're just you know it's either it's a just a cheap, you know, poorly made version of a keep cup, or don't look as good. Don't uh, their functionality is not as good. You've really created quite a brand in terms of the logo that's on the cup and the designs that you offer. Um, it's almost like a fashion label. Yeah. Well, my other favourite quotes from a Scotsman called Thomas Carlyle, who said that the merit of originality is not novelty, it is sincerity. And I think that's what, you know, that, that's another word for authenticity. That's what, it's how we've made it, how we've designed it, it's who our suppliers are, you know, the consistency of the logo, the consideration of design, all those things add up. It's amazing that you've come from a cafe culture, Abigail, and taken on, you know, now now a product manufacturer. There's so much to consider. What's What's been the hardest part of the Keep Cup journey? Oh, it's always the people, the people, growing the business, finding the right people, um, you know, developing the people, finding the right, you know, any, and that extends to suppliers and agencies and stakeholders. So it's that part of it. It's the most, you know, it's a... It's a double-edged sword, it's the best part and it's the most challenging part. I hear that time and time and time again, that, you know, yeah. people are the hardest part of a business. Can't yeah. live with them, can't live with them. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's also like decisions, like, you know, that always is the decisions that kill you. Like, you, uh, there's a lot of decisions to make in a day and, you know, and I think the other part of it, of course, is, is my transition as a leader through the business from, a, you know, from me and my brother to now an organisation that employs, you know, 100 people in um, three countries, like to, to make those, to, to have the sort of confidence and the self-belief to make those step changes through um, an organisation that's been challenging. No doubt. Keep Cup's doing a great thing for the environment, Abigail. How do, how do you ensure the supply chain is also responsible? Uh, because we we work really closely with our suppliers. So we know we know who they are and what they do and we visit their factories and we talk to them and we, um, yeah, we have audits done of their um, premises. We work with them to improve what they're doing. Like they are a real key, they're a key strength of, of Keep Cup. Mm-hmm. You're a B Corp business. What does that mean uh, for your business and how hard was it to get that certification? Yeah, so that we were one of the founding B Corps in Australia in oh. 2014 and that was at a time, you know, Keep Cup, I just set out to solve a problem, a problem of disposable cups and then suddenly there were all these people in the organisation saying, what's my career path? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know what mine is. And so <laughs> it was like... Uh, and people would say to us, what are you? Are you fair trade? Are you organic? You know, what's your certification? And there was no certification that suited a business like ours. And then we found B Corp and it was started by some guys in the US who'd made these like trash talking t-shirts for the basketball community. And they did everything right in their supply chain. They treated their employees very well. They, you know, they were a great business, and then Nike bought them and ripped the heart out of it, sent the manufacturing to China, mm-hmm. um, and they thought there must be a better way. There must be a way we can protect and preserve B 
the values of our organisation and so they start a B Corp. So it means that you are um, independently assessed on the purpose of your business, like what it's doing, the way you treat your stakeholders, the way you treat your employees, your transparency and your commitment to your, the community you live in. Um, and, yeah, so that... and But it also gives you great tools. Like from that, we... Um, there was a template for an employee handbook and we did position descriptions and, you know, over the, each time we do it, it gives us, it raises the bar for us in what we can achieve as a business as well. So it's a, it's a great certification to have, but it's also a, a great way to lead change, positive change in your business as well. So, okay, great way to leave positive change, great way to maybe make sure the internal parts of the business are humming, but less important. It's not really like a heart tick, is it? Or, um, you know, a, a sort of, what do I call it? Um, a sort of branding emblem that says this product is good. You don't use it in that way? Oh, well, yeah, it does. I mean, we've just moved it from the bottom of the pack to the side. And when we got into Whole Foods in the US, that was the clincher wow. that we were a B Corp. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it is, it is increasingly having recognition by consumers in the choices that they're making. The Whole Foods contract must have been an exciting day. It was an exciting day, yes. <laughs> How'd you celebrate? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> that's good. That's a good. <laughs> you a bit of an environmental activist, I'm guessing? I'll certainly be marching on Friday for the climate strike. Yeah. Um, but I think it's more about... I wouldn't say an environmental activist as much as someone who thinks a lot about what I want the world to look like and what I would like the world to look like for my children and how I can be a part of the solution and not the problem. There's a lot of greenwashing out there. What really pisses you off? Compostable, compostable cups. <laughs> absolute bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're doing something you know, and about that. And recycling. So, we, you know, we talk a lot about reduce and reuse. So it's not about... Not about the material. It's about reducing the number of things you have and using them more, better, well. Um, and I just sort of do a lot of talks and I talk about that. And inevitably, someone puts their hand up and says, "But is it recyclable?" It's like recycling is. You know, we're now very much neck deep in the fact that recycling is not the answer. And it's a lie that's been sold to us for decades. Uh, when you say recycling is not the answer, you mean like don't get to the point where we need to recycle. Use something that doesn't require us to recycle. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and also stuff isn't being recycled. <laughs> it's you know like the stuff that was going to China was being burned, waste to energy. Yeah, right. And now we're stockpiling all this stuff, but there is no like it's a fantasy to think there is an end use for a lot of this stuff that is, is we're putting in our recycling bin. Like the, the, the recycling all over the world is in total crisis. Help me out here because I, I am a bit of a heathen when it comes to that. I, I, I responsibly put things in my recycle bin. Are you telling me that most of that stuff just goes and sits either on a big pile or gets burnt somewhere in another part of the world? Yeah, that's what it was. So until like January last year, it was being sent to China as recycling, but a lot of it was being burnt. Jeez. And now China has said, look, we can't, and because, and not just, sorry, not because the Chinese were burning it, but because it was so contaminated, it was so poorly sorted that they couldn't recycle it. So they had to burn it. And now they've said, no, we're not taking any more contaminated waste from everywhere in the world. Mm. And so now we're shipping it to Indonesia, to Vietnam, and then it's floating back down to us um, and landing on our beaches. But it's mainly our waste. Jeez. 
Wow. So, you know, I think a million disposable cups a minute. Imagine how many water bottles. Mm. Um, you know, they should be banned. Like Coca-Cola should be shutting its doors as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Not going to happen tomorrow. But it might happen. I mean, yeah. You say not enough companies have strong enough ethics, morals, or a vision for a better future, which is probably very right. How can this change? You're talking to a whole lot of small business owners out there. What do they need to do? Uh, well, it's quite interesting because people come to us and say, I'd like to work for Keep Tactics. I want to align to my values. And I think, well, why haven't you been able to align to your values in the role that you're in right now? Like, it's a it's a change in mindset. Like, how can we do this better? How can we do this with less waste? How can we do this using less resources? How can we do this um, more mindfully, more authentically? Like, it's just those, like, it is about taking these questions about what you're doing every day back to your values. Does this make sense? And I, I don't want to sound like I know I'm in some, I don't know, green tower or something like we we don't get stuff right all the time as well like there's you know we're busy thinking about the cups and yet we're our office is not paperless yet so that's a big project for us next year how do we get our team to to run paperless in the office so there's always there's always things we can do and i think there's a lot of um up here in the media now there's a lot of shaming of people about you know how can intrepid travel be talking about um you know, the climate strike when they advocate you flying in a plane. Like, it's just crazy talk. Like, we are all, we're all hypocrites. We're all complicit. We all, you know, make choices and we just need to just continue to make better ones. That's that's all we can do. What's next for Keep Cup, Abigail? Are you likely to expand into straws or cutlery or where do you see the business going? Uh, We've got some product development um, that's coming through in the next 12 months. We're about to launch a stainless steel product and then we'll be um, launching a sort of MacGyver-ish product in the next sort of 12 months that sort of takes us more into a replacement for water bottles as well. A MacGyver-ish product? I haven't heard that expression before. (laughs) Do you know who MacGyver is? Yeah, the guy who can fix anything. Yeah, so it's like it's a product that's... Because one of the things about sustainability is using less materials and using them over many products. So, like, our lids fit on the small, the medium and the large and the bands fit across all products. So there's a lot of um, mix and match of componentry and the same componentry replicated across products. So we're now extending that out, extending, you know, riffing on that theme across other products. So creating a product that's a bit... Like a pocket knife, like a Swiss Army knife for cups. Mm, like that. So you are extending beyond cups, is what I'm hearing. Uh, not yet. Not but yet. But I think once we've once we've once we've exhausted our current development pipeline, I think we've pretty much we've we've pretty much given an answer to every sort of style and occasion where you um, drink out of a disposable cup. Love it. Well, it's a great story, Abigail. Uh, thank you for helping save the world. We need more people like you creating products like Keep Cup. And uh, anyone who wants one, keepcup.com would probably be the best place to go. Or your local cafe, I'm guessing. Yep. Awesome. Abigail Forsyth. Thank you very much, Kim. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Well, there you go. Keep Cup founder and environmental warrior, Abigail Forsyth. Go and grab one over at keepcup.com. They're awesome. Here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with Abigail. Attention grabber number one. It's probably time for us all to take a look at all aspects of our businesses and make changes that are going to benefit the environment. Ideas could include getting all staff a branded keep cup, 
for example, going paperless like Abigail is trying to in her business, carpooling to meetings, don't go to meetings, like have less meetings, less driving, less plane travel. That'd be a good idea. Attention grabber number two. I love the personalisation option Keep Cup offers. So personalisation of particularly products is becoming more and more common as technology makes it easier and easier. Remember that interview I did? It was probably like three years ago now with Lana Hopkins of Monpurse. She had like like almost, I think, hundreds of thousands of permutations and combinations of creating personalised purses. And that business has gone from strength to strength. But I think anything that we can personalise for our clients is going to put us in good stead. Attention grabber number three, I love how Abigail used baristas to get the word out around Keep Cup. Now, if you'd like to learn more about social influencers, then I'd take a listen to the interview I did with Jules Lund, who's started an influencer agency called Tribe. Um, Interesting discussion around social influencers. We had it on an episode a few weeks ago where, you know, it's become, it seems like everyone's a social influencer these days. If you've got 5,000 followers, then, you know, you're a rock star. Not sure that's the case, but uh, it seems to be where it's going. That's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, small, large, mediocre ideas, whatever it may be, be sure to block out some time and implement them. Before we wrap things up, just a reminder that you'll find hundreds more episodes full of ideas to grow that beautiful business of yours over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. And if you're getting value from listening, then please let other business owners know about it. Next week, we catch up with Adelaide-based entrepreneur Shane Ying, who has somehow managed to secure the full licensing rights to the world-famous Hollywood sign. It's a great story. This podcast was presented by me, Timbo Reid, produced by Matt Dwyer. Until next week, thanks for tuning in. Now get out there and take action.